Ian, how are you? Good, Craig. Welcome to episode 19 of Hubshots. Yes, on this very sunny February afternoon. It's been great. Hey, I wanted to say to you, have you been preventing potholes lately? (laughs) I think I've learned how to prevent more now. Yeah, so let's go straight into our shot one, which is our inbound thought of the week. And this was a really interesting article by Brian Halligan. He's the CEO of HubSpot. He talks about basically some of his leadership learnings from nine years of running HubSpot. And I hadn't heard this term, a scale-up. So he talks about moving from being a startup to being a scale-up, which I thought was really interesting. What did you think of the article? I really loved it and I learned a lot out of it, actually. And I think there are a lot of gold in there. Mm. But for me, where we are in our journey right now, I think one of the things that really stood out to me was, you know, making sure you have these reviews or you're asking these questions of your staff so you can actually fix these potholes. And he's got a great one there about support and how support time started getting longer and longer and the flow on effects. And so this pothole became bigger and bigger and you lose a great thing where it can swallow up your car. And I really thought that was a great analogy because, you know, there are things in our business that look kind of small, but the knock-on effects to people within the business and to our customers can be massive. Yeah, I thought that was a really good example as well. And just to uh, expand on it a bit, what he was highlighting was, as you said, customer response times increased because demand was outstripping the number of support people. So then what HubSpot customers actually were doing were calling their account managers instead of talking to customer support. So then account managers were caught up answering these questions, which they weren't particularly skilled to do. And it was taking away from their own what they were supposed to be doing. And so then actually sales of HubSpot were being impacted as well. So it was just like it started with something small, like That's customer right. support taking longer yep. and ended up with significant sales impediments That's to the exactly business. Right, yeah. Was, yeah. So just goes to show how everything's kind of interconnected along the way. Yeah. And what I really liked about his approach was his job. He sees part of his job now as as running a scale up as like detecting those potholes before they basically cause problems. He's proactively trying to see them ahead and, and avoid them. It was really interesting. But the other thing that was really interesting was his culture. Yes. The company culture. What did you think of this? I really loved it. It was. It's a great slide share. So we'll put a link to it. So go and have a look. And I think it really highlights how important it is to build. And, and I think there's a great quote that you've got here where one of the things is... Are you talking about slide 64? That's right. Slide 64. <laughs> People want direction on where they're going, not micro directions on how to get there. And I love that. Yeah. Because I think that's, and I've tried to do that with a lot of our team. And you know what? Because that gives people freedom to think and to also to act and do things. Might not be in the way that we do it, but it still aligns with what we're after. Yeah, exactly. And his whole the, the, the slide there where he talks about culture in general, it's just got seven points. And I really liked how he's basically saying point two is we look to the long term and solve for the customer like that was part of the culture. And I just want to grab this slide. I actually want to use it in our agency. Yes, I'm almost going to say, we should lift that out. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Bang. And why this I think is really interesting for marketing managers is because this all goes to the, the whole marketing team's approach and attitude as well. There's a real culture here where if you're a marketing manager and you're thinking about your business and how you're trying to promote, a lot of it is around providing and solving for the customer of your own business as well. So yeah, it, it's just like it, it builds in every yeah, area of the I'll business. Yeah, and I'll tie something back in this uh, previous thing, in these lessons that he's learned. He was talking about right versus fast. 
And he said, one of the questions is what percentage of decisions you make are done right versus done now. And saying, you know, in a startup, you tend to do everything fast because you're trying to get stuff out. But as you grow and you're moving on to this next session or this next phase, you know, you're making the right choices, which will facilitate that growth. So one thing is like having a support system in place. You know, how do people communicate with you? What are the channels of communication? And really understand that because going, you know, if we're always about doing things fast and not about growth, then we end up going two paces forward and three back. Great point. All right, let's move on to our HubSpot tip of the week. And uh, th- this is actually one I found. You did, and I think you've been <laughs> you've implemented it a while back. And it's, it's to do with the, the recent conversion field. And there's a HubSpot knowledge base article about it. But there's also one that you've written on your blog, on the Zen blog. Yeah, I've written a blog post about this. Basically, I'll explain what it is. So, you know, when you send internal uh, notifications, e- notifications yeah. to your sales team yeah. or something like that, um, what you can use is this recent conversion field to highlight what the actual recent conversion was that a contact or a lead had yes. on the site. And that's actually really useful if it you've is. got multiple lead magnets, multiple Correct. forms, all these kinds of things, because yes. your sales team gets it and they're like oh is this something i need to action straight away or is this just that'll go in the nurture and that'll be fine yes. so yeah so i think one thing good that you've done there because i guess we haven't gone to that extent with a lot of our stuff because i generally use the response we can get out of someone taking action out of a form but this is fantastic because there's so much information that you can actually put in the email and send to the next person in the line who's going to receive it where it gives them that information where they don't have to go digging for it. And I love that thing. It's because one of your customers asked you, can you tell me what this person did the last, the last interaction with us? And so you're able to do that and provide information, which is fantastic. And I think just goes to show you can keep building on this. So, you know, what is the other information that you can provide your internal team that makes them make that choice quicker or they know exactly where to place these people when they have that conversation without digging for information? Yeah, cool. So the action item there is check that out. And this is, you know, these are the little things that HubSpot have that a lot of other systems don't. Correct. And I know we're obviously HubSpot fanboys and, of course, people know that. But these really are the the material things that make all the difference when we're providing value for our clients and their internal workflows. So, yeah, check that out and put that into your email notifications. All right, now challenge of the week. What's been challenging you lately, Ian? Yeah, this has been challenging me. And I, this comes out of having conversation with a customer of ours. You're generating all these great leads. They all go into the system. You've set up all these great uh, workflows and responses back to customers saying you're going to contact them in the next on the next working day, but nothing happens. So when we were talking to this customer, we were like, well, tell me what happened with this lead or what happened with this core can you explain to me like why did we not contact them what was it missing did we get the wrong person so i think for me the challenge now is like yeah we can generate all these leads but what happens are we actually tracking that through to converting them as a customer or selling them the product and i think that's a really big thing when you're talking about high-end items when people might be spending half a million dollars on something you know, if they lose a sale, that's a significant amount of money. Right. So I think that's really important. So I think my challenge is once you've got this whole system working and you're generating those leads is what do you do? Have you actually got the sales team in alignment? Have you got even the business owners in alignment? Are they all on the same page? Are they using the CRM? Are they actually putting stuff in there? Are you able to actually track what's happening? And are they actually asking the right questions? So 
Something really simple could be in the interim, you need to actually implement call tracking, for example, and actually have a listen to those conversations before you start having this conversation with sales. Right. Okay. Yeah, I really like that. And also this raises another thing, which we won't talk about now, but possibly in a future episode is the whole topic of reporting. You know, are you actually getting meaningful reports out of your CRM and the actions that are going on there? Because activities, the HubSpot CRM records activities and you can get counts of activities and all those kind of things and surface them as reports. Maybe we should chat about that in a future episode. But I guess the action item that you're saying is be aware of this issue that, okay, you have workflows in place to get things Correct. moving along. Yes. But who's actually keeping an eye on those and Correct. making sure they are getting followed up and also efficiently? Correct. Sometimes. So I think one of the things I would say would be great to implement is having a weekly conversation or a fortnightly conversation and just doing a random check of the leads that are going through and say, hey, tell me what happened with this. Okay, you know, what did you learn from that? Is there something that I could do better to get a better lead to you? And I think you can. it'll work both ways. Excellent point. Okay, on to our opinion of the week. And this was a really good blog post on the HubSpot blog. And what they did is they basically talked to a number of sales experts predicting about the what's going to change in the whole kind of sales enablement process in 2016. There are a ton of really good takeaways from experts in the field. One I wanted to shout out is really from Chris Handy. We love Chris Handy, don't we? We do. So Chris Handy, run, uh, amongst many other things, uh, has, a blog po- <laughs> has a podcast called um, HubSpot to Go yes. that we both love. So hi, Chris. We're looking forward to catching up with you some point. When, but this quote from him, I won't read the full quote, but it was really good because he's basically saying he was challenging my thinking around yes. how sales and marketing or the whole marketing process right, goes yeah. in place. Because I've always thought marketing gets the lead and nurtures it and then hands it over to sales and then sales take it. Yes. Chris's point is he's challenging that notion. He's saying, well, actually, sales alignment needs to get a lot more intimate than that. And sales and marketing need to be working together for the whole process. So whereas traditionally marketing is going, no, sales, stay away, stay away. We don't want you burning our leads. They're not ready yet. He's actually saying, no, no, invite sales into the process earlier. And he uses this image of a three-legged race. It's kind of like all working together. (laughs) Sales should come into the process early and then maybe pop out. And then there's a bit more nurturing by marketing. And then sales come in later. But the whole point, of course, is that sales are adding value, not trying to make the sale too early. It's a a really good post in general. Were there others that that you liked in this post? Well, on the whole, I think it's a really, and I think this ties back to what I was talking about before. (laughs) It's keeping everybody on the same page and getting them all aligned and finding what works for you. Because you know what? In your business, it might be totally different. But I think don't be afraid to try and test it. And I think if I look at HubSpot and the direction they're taking, and I know Pete Caputa is going into do more sales enablement with Brian because that's the next frontier because if we can get that part aligned in our businesses and businesses we work with, the output and the conversion will be so much greater. All right, on to our general tip of the week. And this is a a little bit different from our normal tip, isn't it? It is very much so. And And you know what, this is very practical, this one. I actually had a read of it and this is to do with Instagram features and tricks. So it's a great blog post, very practical. Go through, they've got a whole bunch of things. Some things I hadn't discovered or probably dug deep into, but, you know, go and have a look at it and see whether you can actually improve something in your Instagram or, 
use a feature that you haven't discovered and and do something better. Yeah, I really liked it. You know the tip that I found? I didn't realize this until I read this this post, but in Instagram, you know there's all the filters that you yes. have. I didn't realize you could actually um, uh, order the filters. Right? Order them and get rid of the ones that you never use. Like but then right at the end there's that manage button. I was like, oh that's not that button. That's right. A great tip from, from it is a fantastic on that. But tip. and now why would this be of interest to marketing managers? Well because if Instagram isn't something that you're testing as part of your marketing, then definitely recommend it. Now, it won't be for everyone, but Instagram, like Facebook, Facebook actually owns Instagram now, but Facebook, often marketing managers think, oh, it's not a good fit for us. We're B2B. It's not a fit. Instagram will never be a fit. Well, test it and measure the results. And so if you're not checking out Instagram yet, here's a good little tips and tricks post. So check it out. State of inbound item of the week. Now, this used to refer to the state of inbound report that HubSpot put out, but they've actually now just launched put a out new research, research hub. <laughs> what, what did you think of this? This is this is great, right? I think it's fantastic. And again, I think we've got some great snippets out of it. Um, let me just talk about what they found about why do people unsubscribe from emails. This was great because this was from their um so I'll just I'll just go back a bit. So they've got a research hub and basically they're putting out pieces of research on findings and they're normally they always put out great kind of research pieces on their blog. But yep. with this research hub they're a lot more in depth, a lot more detailed, a lot more statistics and yes. analysis and large sample sizes. So this comes from a report on native advertising and how native advertising may be an answer because some of the other channels people are opting out of. And yes. so email has like always been a key part of marketing. And yet why do people opt out? So this is one of the findings. Yeah, and it's really interesting, isn't it? So 78% opt out because they were receiving too many emails. Too many. They just opt out. And, and I think beyond that, the next one was the email topics weren't aligned with their interests, so people's interests. So, again, this is a great example of targeting the right content to the right person at the right time in the time that they're wanting to see it, right? And I think I was thinking back today even I was we had a campaign running to people that we'd previously done business with, people we currently do business with and people that we're nurturing. And I thought to myself, how do I make this better so it's more relevant as opposed to just going, hey, everybody, listen to this or find this out. out. And I was thinking, how do I keep filtering and making making this relation to go, well, what are these people interested in or what can I use? Because I was talking to a customer yesterday who booked through one of our campaigns some time with us. It was really funny. He goes to me what got his attention was some of the statistics I'd put in the email, right? And he wasn't aware of that. But then he told me in the meeting, he was like, why didn't you tell me this like a year ago? Like, why are you telling this to me now when I could have done this like one year ago? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so it made me really think, you know, what are these buttons that we're pushing when people get emails? Is it the right buttons? And if it's not the right buttons, why aren't they responding? Because I think that will give a lot of insight into what you need to be sending people. Excellent point. And what's interesting about that is if you do give them 
the right content at the right time. So it's tailored for them. It almost solves that initial problem, too many emails Correct. for you anyway, because yes. you won't get too many emails because it's been much more tailored. You know what I find interesting about emails? And I sometimes when we're talking with clients, they're very worried about sending out an email with a mistake. Yep. So quality is always, of course, focus on quality. But it, there's almost this over fear of yes. we could send out something wrong. And what's interesting about in all the email studies I've seen, people never unsubscribe because they got a mistake or Correct. not never, but yeah. it's never a reason yeah. unless of course you do it every newsletter. But <laughs> when you send out a mistake, normally you follow it up. Okay, we, we fix it. So that's not something to worry about in as much as you should be worrying about, are you sending out just the wrong, boring stuff Correct. or are you just sending it out too often? So yeah. get those two solved first before you're worrying too much about. So I'll use a little, uh, something that I've seen happen in my in the mastermind that I'm a part of and they do this probably once a year because I've been a part of it for a while they actually send an email and saying hey are you actually receiving too many emails from us if if the, if it is if that's the case or you you want to hear differently basically click this link and change your option right but but they also give you an option like oh, I'm not receiving enough from you and would I like to receive more right right and I thought okay well that's really smart because you're kind of saying well look here's an option you know and the people that are really interested will go yeah I really want to hear more stuff like if you can send me stuff every day I'll I'll take it that's a great point. You're personalizing it for your your um, receiver's um, preferences. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's just probably the next step along this process about really understanding who these people are. And that's worked really well because, I, you know, I was one of those people that if I can learn as much as I can, I'm happy to hear from this person every day. So I went, yeah, tell me more. I'm happy with everyday emails. I like it. All right. So that's just one little item from the HubSpot Research Hub. We've got tons of other stats. We'll go through those in future weeks. There's so many good things. There's some great stuff there. Yeah. Especially next week, we're going to look at which types of advertising people really get annoyed at and which don't. And it's really surprising. It is surprising. Anyway, if you can't wait, go and check out research.hubspot.com. You can get it all there. All right. Our resource of the week. This is a good one. This was from the Kissmetrics blog on yes. um, the basically the, the cost of bad data. Yeah, I think this is really important, Craig. And as your list size grows, I think this is really key. And I think the action out of this, starting with the action, is that if you have clean data, it really saves sales time, reduces database sizes, makes your analysis more accurate. And I think you need to go and put some workflows in place to facilitate that. But if you understand over time how important this is, it's like an untidy house right, <laughs> or an untidy car. You know, you're like, where did I put that? I can't find that. Or hang on, someone told me about this and I don't know what I did with it. Same thing. Same thing with your database. Like keep it clean. Look at it. Look at the health of your list. And like when I was going through HubSpot today, I was like, I have these people on my list that are previously hard balanced, but are still there. And I sent a second campaign, so it said oh, I hadn't actually sent because it had previously been hard bound. So right. it was really interesting. So I just went, it was a note to myself, it was like, oh, I need to go look at all these things with people that have maybe shifted jobs or not there any longer and just go and clean them out or delete them or yeah. archive them. Well, that's right, because HubSpot won't send to them again. If they've been hard bounced, they're Correct. flagged as not to be sent to. So unless there's a good reason for them to stay in your database... And that that was showing up in my stats. Oh, right. right. 
Okay. So I was kind of drilling down and going, well, how did this campaign perform? Oh, where, where, why did these not go? Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Yeah. So the thing I found interesting about this article was the, the cost in terms of time yes. to sales. So we often think, oh, I've got all these people. Okay. Because email, people change their email surprisingly often. So it's kind yes. of industry benchmarks over the course of a year, 30% of the emails in your database change. Either people move position or they yes. leave or the email stops yep. or whatever. That's quite significant. Yep. Now you might think, okay, so the cost of that is just extra people in my database. But no, because it's a lot more than that. The thing that this article highlighted is often salespeople are preparing and following up leads and it actually turns out the lead wasn't there or they're gone. So the salespeople have actually used time to prepare. Yes. And if 30% up to 30% of mm. your time or the sales team's time that's right. spent on this kind of activity, that's a massive cost to the business. Yes. Such a wasted effort. So, yeah, a really good article. And I guess the action item is around getting processes in place, as you said, workflows to clean out um, cold leads and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, use that as opportunity. So one thing that I've been doing as a little tip is if they have moved over the bounce, I've gone and looked them up on LinkedIn and figured out, oh, have they actually changed jobs? And if so, I go and find their LinkedIn email so I can still get in contact with them. Oh, excellent tip. So, And that's something the sales team could be doing. So yes. that, they were a lead before. Yep. They've changed. Yep. Okay, don't waste your time chasing a dead lead, but actually do a bit of work to find them and that's update right. to, so they stay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I did. It's been amazing because this person that I did this for as a test has left the company and gone to another business. And so I just found his email that he had on LinkedIn and I emailed him. He hasn't unsubscribed. He opened the email, checked it out. So you know what? We're back in contact again. Excellent point. All right, community item of the week. And this was another slide share study that BuzzSumo and yes. they, they, they analyzed one billion, one billion Facebook posts. Like th that is a big number. Okay. And so they, the reason they did that was to get out some findings on the best times to post on social. And they, they, this slide that we'll include in the show notes included. Yeah. Eight so let's items. highlight. Yeah. Let's what, highlight what were some of your, your favorites? And the, I think I, I, I was already thinking this, but the best time to post is between 10 p.m. and midnight of your audience's local time. So be aware where your audience is. Right. And I think this is one of the things in HubSpot that is probably one of those things that are in the future development where, you know, you could trigger the email based on if you know where the person is. That's right. We so saw it, goes that. In yeah, their, yeah. it goes in their time zone, not at odd hours of the night. That's right. Because we get emails like at two o'clock in the morning and this kind of frustrated me right. with inbound was we get emails to say, hey, look, Daniel Pink's coming. You can get go and meet him or get your book signed. And it comes at two o'clock in the morning when we're sleeping. And then by when we get up and go, yeah, I'm interested. Everybody in the US is signed up. And you're like, right. sorry, offer's not available. Right. Although, to be fair, if you did receive it in your own time zone, you'd probably have missed it anyway. That's or. right. <laughs> But I take your point because, and that is one of those feature requests that yes. is coming in, in HubSpot about yeah. being able to time the emails to be sent at your recipient's local time. But in back in terms of Facebook, what I was saying is between 10 p.m. and midnight yes. of your audience's time. That's the best time to, to post on Facebook. So that was interesting. They were also saying the best day to post is on Sunday. Which is fascinating. Yeah. And so this was a big sample, right? And so Correct. that's, I guess, across business and consumer audiences Sunday is the day and look at this one we've talked about Instagram before 
images posted through Instagram get a 23% boost in, in engagement. Right. I wonder how long that'll last because I, I, I bet that's part of Facebook's algorithm at the moment just to kind of bias towards Instagram. Yes, I guess that could be the case. Or am I just being a bit cynical there but, <laughs> but but in any case take advantage of it we were just saying earlier instagram you should be checking it out as a marketing manager maybe it's just for this point alone yeah totally you know what all of these platforms is always worth testing and i think always worth being aware because people are on it and if i think about us and i've been testing some stuff on my instagram it's quite interesting the people you can reach and you can have a conversation with just through posting relevant photographs and tagging people correctly. Exactly. My favorite, though, is just the, the final one on their list of eight points. They said posts with hashtags get less interaction than posts without hashtags. Now, isn't that interesting? Because now we're talking about Facebook. Now, if you had hashtags in probably Instagram or Twitter, that's okay, right? Right. Because people are searching for that. But not, not cool on Facebook. Facebook, they don't like the hashtags. So there you go. I find that fascinating. But it makes sense, right? Because I know whenever I see something that's got lots of hashtags in Facebook, I immediately go, ah. Oh, auto probably, post. Yeah, it's auto posted in from another. And so I don't interact with it for exactly that. So it makes so, sense. So if you have been auto posting stuff onto Facebook from another platform with hashtags, please go and turn it off right now. And fashion your message for people on Facebook, knowing, understanding what they're doing and fashion the message appropriately because you'll get better engagement. I love it. All right. So we're almost at time. We're going to finish with uh, podcast of the week. And this is another one you found. And, and this was actually, I found it on Instagram. All right. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so this is a founder and it's a guy in Melbourne called Nathan Chan. So founder, how do you spell that? F-O-U-N-D-R. And so it's learn from proven entrepreneurs and startup founders. So it's, he calls it the founder magazine, but it's something I, I came across him on Instagram and I started following him. Then I got more interested in, as I saw more stuff go through my feed and then I signed up, I went and opted in on how he built his Instagram follow, which was again, a really great thing because he's used that as a mechanism to get to people. And now he's doing like masterclass series and so on. But, and then it kind of drove me to listen to subscribe to his podcast and actually have a listen to a particular episode, which I found really interesting. So we'll put a link to that, go have a look, check him out and see the great stuff that he's doing and download the PDF about how he built his Instagram following. Learn, learn a thing or two. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. Great, great tip. Great podcast. All right. Well, that's pretty much it. And now just in wrapping up, I just wanted to say we didn't intend when we we're starting to talk about Instagram so much, but it's just kind of come out as, it has, a, as part of the process. Yes. But as we always say, test and measure, right? Because Correct. even if you think Instagram's not a fit for you, at least test it. And if it doesn't, well, great, you were right. But if you do get it, well, here's an opportunity to take advantage of. That's right. All right. Thanks, Ian. Catch See you, Craig. See you, mate. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.